Hello again, Nightmare Society. This isn't your normal episode. A listener reached out asking if it was possible to cover the recent disappearance of a close friend. And while it's not my typical content, I think this story deserves your attention. I also know we have plenty of Texans listening, so listen up if you're in the Lone Star State. This is an ongoing case and any little bit of information is helpful. As a warning, this case does reference domestic abuse. And while I have my own personal opinions, I have to say that no one has been arrested or charged with this young woman's disappearance. Yet. Thank you. The Nightmare Society. Taylor Pomaski was last seen on April 25th, 2021, at a party at her and her boyfriend, Kevin Ware Jr.'s home in Spring, Texas, which is located just north of Houston. If the name Kevin Ware Jr. sounds remotely familiar, you may remember him as a professional football player, although he had a rather brief career only playing about 16 games in the early 2000s. Unfortunately, it seems he's becoming more known for his run-ins with authorities than his time in the NFL. Court records show he has a criminal history dating back to 2007. The 6-foot, 3-inch, 259-pound Ware was accused of assaulting a Washington Avenue valet. HPD officials said Ware had attacked the valet, but he refused to press charges. But then Ware forced his way out of the police car and ran away, while still in handcuffs, leading to him being charged with escape. He was also sent to prison for two years for intent to manufacture or deliver a controlled substance conviction in December of 2018. This year, of 2021, Montgomery County District Attorney's Office stated Ware was arrested after failing to report for bond supervision hearings in April and May and that he was also known to be in possession of a controlled substance in May, and was caught for possession of a firearm in April and May. According to ABC13.com, Ware was also in possession of a firearm when he was rearrested by U.S. Marshals on June 11th for failing to report. According to LawAndCrime.com, during an unrelated bond hearing of his earlier in June of 2021, Prosecutors formally acknowledged Ware was suspected of murdering Pomaski. While the police department has not named him officially as a suspect, the prosecutors listed this as a reason he should be denied bail. Authorities allegedly stated he had not cooperated with them while investigating Taylor's disappearance. The day U.S. Marshals found and arrested Ware, Shelley Childers of ABC 13 tweeted, Harris County investigators say they've been trying to speak with him for weeks about Taylor. Ware had been out on bond from a previous incident. April 19th of 2021, he was stopped by police in Magnolia, Texas, for going 115 miles per hour into 70 mile per hour zone. Montgomery County Police Reporter.com states his vehicle was searched, and along with a loaded AK-47 and a loaded 9mm, they found numerous illegal substances, 
including 14.26 grams of cocaine, 1.66 grams of methamphetamine, 60.3 grams of marijuana, and a Xanax pill. He was charged with two counts of possession with intent to deliver a controlled substance and unlawfully possessing a firearm as a felon. He bonded out the following day, April 20th. Texas EquiSearch founder Tim Miller stated, A couple of days later, there's a big party at his house, and then a fight broke out with him and Taylor. And from what we understand, the fight got fairly violent. To put that into perspective, Kevin Ware Jr. is 6 foot 3, 259 pounds. 29-year-old Taylor Pamaski is 5 foot 2 and weighs about 110 pounds. Rightfully so, Taylor's family and friends are very worried for her safety. She's the eldest child of Leslie Mandeville and Stephen Pamaski. She has four younger siblings and is very close with her family. In the spring of 2019, she moved into a new apartment but frequently visited her family. Mandeville states, She would play board games with the kids, do makeup and yoga. She loved yoga. We'd cook dinner together. She enjoyed being with us. And we would always spend a lot of time together as a family. She describes her oldest daughter as a free spirit, fun-loving, fearless. Her father, Stephen, describes Taylor as a proud and sweet big sister who loved her family and was always checking in on her siblings. Bright and bubbly with a big old smile. Very friendly, very outgoing. Friends also refer to her as a bubbly person with an infectious personality. You can see how much Taylor loves her family in a video shared online where she's recorded while her father reveals the family is moving back to Texas where she becomes emotional and overwhelmed with happiness. Taylor's also an advocate for animals, volunteering as citizens for animal protection, while also having her own fur baby, Molly, which is another detail that tipped off her parents that something wasn't right. According to Taylor's father, Stephen, no matter what happens in her life, she always makes sure Molly is taken care of. Kevin Ware Jr. allegedly stated that Taylor left the home without her dog, and without any of her belongings on April 25th. It seems as if anyone who knows Taylor knows that she would not have willingly left without Molly. While explaining the very tough task of fielding questions from her younger children, Mandeville states, You can imagine how scared they are. It's awful. They know Taylor's missing. They know that this is not normal. She goes on to say, my 17-year-old has a better idea of what's going on. My 12-year-old talks about TP coming home and seeing her dog, Molly. And my 14-year-old is very concerned. I think he has a grasp of the danger of what's happening. Mandeville states her kids are not on social media. While her family continue to search, hope, and pray, so do her friends. It doesn't take long to find out Taylor has many concerned friends, one of them being longtime friend Eric Zuliger. While Eric and Taylor dated for six years previously, they still kept in touch and were close friends. He's extremely worried for her safety. Montgomery County Police reporter explains Zuliger had been in touch with her weeks before her disappearance, quoting him as saying, She was in danger. 
She was in trouble. There was violence. She referenced a gun being pulled on her. She was very scared, very nervous. So where have things gone wrong? Taylor's an intelligent woman, having gotten her CompTIA A plus certification and IT designation. And according to Conan Daly, she's worked as a case investigator for a medical records firm, a compliance coordinator with environmental allies, and even worked at the office of the Texas Secretary of State in Houston from July 2016 to October 2019. Her loved ones describe her as a very kind, sweet, caring, loving, funny, beautiful woman. Mandeville says that she and Taylor stayed in touch often, up until spring of 2020, around the time Taylor became involved with Kevin Ware Jr., which also happens to be around the time she believes Taylor began struggling with addiction stating she was very distant not available she was not herself and kind of pulling away we felt a shift in her life it wasn't like it used to be but we were still in contact with her mandeville wasn't aware of the relationship until about six months into their dating according to mandeville she interacted with ware for the first time in november 2020 via text where he introduced himself as kevin w saying that he played pro football and couldn't wait to tell her his story. What story that was, we'll probably never know. It appears as Ware might have been avoiding this meetup. Taylor's mother recalls, They always canceled on me when it was time to be there. My goal was to see my child and I could tell it was going to be through Kevin. On one occasion, they were all three planning to meet for lunch. Mandeville excited to finally meet Ware and, most importantly, see her daughter, who she had not seen face-to-face since July of 2020. She tried calling Taylor after looking up the restaurant they were about to meet at, noticing that it was listed as closed. She then texted Ware, who responded that he was working and swamped with meetings, and apologized. At the time, Mandeville thought that sounded reasonable, saying, Sure, he works. But after trying to meet her daughter and Ware several times between November and January, each time the plans being cancelled by them, she began to worry. She started looking into Ware's background, discovering he had a criminal history, something she was unaware of, leading her to believe Taylor could be in serious danger. Unfortunately for Mandeville, it was Mother's Day, May 9th, 2021, when worry turned to panic. Pomaski's father shared, It kind of hit us early in the day. We haven't heard from her in a week and a half. Two weeks at this point. Mandeville told Inside Edition Digital, It was strange that I had not heard from Taylor, especially on Mother's Day. And it was also her father's birthday. She never missed that type of stuff. Never. Unable to reach Taylor, Mandeville reached out to her boyfriend Kevin, texting him on Mother's Day. He never responded. They immediately filed a missing persons report. While investigators searched for Pomaski, her mother decided to go to the house that Ware shares with Taylor, about 45 minutes away from where Mandeville lives, her goal being to get Molly, Taylor's beloved terrier. Oddly enough, Ware refused to give her the dog. She says, Honestly, he didn't want to give me Molly. My daughter is missing and I don't want her dog to stay in this house. I don't know why, but it didn't make sense to me. We had to walk him through it. Hours went by before Mandeville was able to leave with Molly. Mandeville had last spoken to Taylor when Taylor called for her macaroni and cheese recipe. 
I told her I loved her, and I told her that I wanted her to come home, Mandeville said. I said, please let us come get you. She would always answer no. This was always the end of the conversation. She goes on to say, you can't change what you don't acknowledge, referring to Taylor's recent struggle with addiction. Police released a photo of Pomaski as the search continues, a picture that disturbs her parents. Mandeville says, that picture haunts me. She was very thin, very frail. It just breaks my heart. Mr. Pomaski echoes her concern, explaining that he realized she was in a dark place. Quote, There's no doubt she went down a rabbit hole, but you can return from that. As terrified as he is of the potential outcome, he continues to hold out hope his daughter will come home, saying any other ending is just too painful to imagine. Longtime friend of Taylor's mentioned earlier, Longtime friend of Taylor's, Eric Zuliger, explained that he had been conversing with Taylor, trying to get her help and into rehab and leave where. He says, The last time I saw her was on April 4th. She was gaunt and had bruises and some swelling on her face. It was a big difference, the physical transformation from February to April. It was shocking. He also mentions that Taylor claimed that she had been hit by where. He says that he told her not to go back, but that she said she was going to. In the following days, Zuliger received multiple emails from Pomaski, according to Inside Edition Digital, to whom he provided copies of some of the emails. He told KHU 11 News, quote, We were talking about getting her out of there, getting her back on her feet, getting herself set and stabilized. A little over two weeks later, April 17th, which was just short of the day she disappeared, she contacted Zuliger again in an email telling him she was ready to get help. He says, quote, She knew she needed help. She was ready to go forward. And that was the plan, to get her help, get her into rehab. In her emails to him leading up to the day she disappeared, Zuliger claimed that she had become, quote, pretty frantic. From what I understand, the last email he received from Pamaski was the day she disappeared, and it said, quote, I need to talk to you. He's been trying to get answers from Ware himself, approaching him shortly after Pomaski disappeared. Ware allegedly told him that Taylor left the party with one of his buddies. Although he pressed him for more information, he says Ware was uncooperative. Along with Zuliger and investigators allegedly claiming that he's been uncooperative, Inside Edition Digital reached out to him with some questions, to which he stated that he would respond later, but he never did. There's also been speculations around what may have happened, mostly focusing on Ware, of course. Friends of Taylor have found Ware's behavior strange, not immediately speaking with police or reporting her missing, odd activity on her Facebook. One being a comment saying, quote, Such a pretty woman. Ware commented this on a relationship update posted on April 23rd. However, comments on his comments seem to imply he posted this after she went missing. Someone also updated Taylor's relationship status as married to Kevin Ware on April 25th, the last day she was seen. And it could be that Taylor made this update and it was a coincidence that she made it on the day that she disappeared. But some think there may be more to this. Maybe that it was possible that it wasn't Taylor who made this update, but someone who had her phone. Ware and Pomaski were never legally married. On May 19th, the case was transferred over to the Harris County Sheriff's Office Homicide Unit, 
for further investigation. Mandeville told Inside Edition Digital she was hoping and praying that her daughter will come home. I can't even put into words the fear, she says. The just not knowing is so scary. You know you worry. Is she scared? Was she scared? It's awful. The Harris County Sheriff's Office said they do believe Pamaski may be the victim of foul play due to the circumstance of her disappearance. Deputy Thomas Gilliland, public information officer for the Harris County Sheriff's Office, told Inside Edition Digital that they were still investigating all leads. He also stated, quote, Everyone in the house on that night is a person of interest. There were a lot of people there, and we've interviewed witnesses. We're still investigating and we still need people to come forward and tell us any information they have, as small as it may be. The main thing is trying to get people to cooperate and talk. There are still people who haven't given their statements yet. Ware's currently in jail. He was denied bond at his hearing on June 29th on unrelated charges. When filing a request to deny Ware bail, prosecutors stated he might have committed Pamaski's murder while on bond for these charges and, quote, demonstrated he is a danger to this community and listed his significant financial resources from his career as well as his history of bond violations, all giving him, quote, motivation to flee the jurisdiction and the country. When questioned after Ware's most recent arrest in a parking lot by U.S. Marshals for his bond violations, Deputy Marshal Alfredo Perez says, Apparently a lot of people were very scared of this guy. I don't know if they were scared of him because they heard his girlfriend was missing. One thing I found interesting was apparently on May 13, 2021, Ware texted Mandeville saying he was doing all he could and that he was looking for her. But what's odd to me is that if she really was last seen on the 25th of April at the party at his house, if she really did walk out and just never returned, most reasonable people would have contacted her family or police way before May. Even if I had a roommate who had walked out angry one night and left their pet and all of their belongings and weren't back after a day or two, I would be really concerned and see if their family had heard from them, especially knowing he had spoken with Mandeville several times via text. But this is your girlfriend. How could you not reach out to someone having not seen her in over a week, close to two weeks? Taylor is not unlike friends or family I've had who've struggled with an addiction or with a toxic or abusive relationship. This isn't some far away distant problem. It's an issue close to everyone and can affect anyone, regardless of your socioeconomic status, race, gender, etc. I remember about five years ago there was a man who had murdered his wife, Elena Frick. She was a family doctor and he was a neurosurgeon. They appeared to be living the American dream, a beautiful house, children, and well-respected in their professions and the community. But she decided to leave him after a volatile 12-year marriage, marred by his emotional, psychological, and occasionally physical abuse. The most dangerous time for someone in an abusive relationship is when they're trying to leave. From StopRelationshipAbuse.org, quote, Leaving is often dangerous, and there are many factors a survivor must consider in the analysis of how to respond to an abusive partner. The reality is that the most dangerous time for a survivor is when they leave them. 
75% of domestic violence related homicides occur upon separation and there's a 75% increase of violence upon separation for at least two years. There's also many barriers to leaving and often multiple that are applicable, such as isolation, children, fear, physical harm, threats, economic necessity, homelessness, lack of resources or information, shelters being full, immigration status, racism, transphobia, homophobia, and discrimination against individuals in LGBTQI relationships, failure of the criminal justice system, culture, religion, family pressures, hope or belief that the partner will change, and shame. In an article by CBC Canada, quote, If there's a history of violence in the marriage or union, we in the field know that the most dangerous time of a woman's life is when she tries to leave, when she makes the break. Prior to this, he believes she's controllable and controlled, and that he can continue to try and control her through abuse. Leslie Ackrell, having worked for 30 years at Interval House, a shelter for abused women and children in Toronto, explains that it's not a normal breakup. Abusers have found her clients through GPS locators on their phones. Quote, She might go to a shopper's drug mart or Loblaw's supermarket, and if he's technologically savvy, he can find her. Sylvia Samzal, executive director of Women's Habitat of Etobicoke in Canada, has heard of men calling every shelter in Ontario or filing missing persons reports to track down their fleeing partner. It's just insane to me, as someone who's never experienced anything like this, the links someone would go to. And while there's enough barriers for someone in an abusive relationship, someone struggling with addiction has compounding issues. One of the biggest, in my opinion, being the lack of options for help. There's a huge discrepancy between the number of people who need addiction treatment in the United States and those who actually receive it. According to AmericanAddictionCenters.org, barriers to find addiction treatment may vary by personal situation, but the most common barriers include financials slash cost, geographic location, stigma, and co-occurring disorder treatment availability. In 2016, about 21 million people aged 12 and older, or approximately 1 in 13 people in this age group, needed substance abuse treatment. An estimated 3.8 million people aged 12 and older got treatment. That means only about 18% of those who needed treatment were able to access it. I think we need to do better for people. If you find yourself in need of help, there will be links in the show notes for both domestic abuse and addiction resources. Finally, if you know anything, or know someone who may know something about Taylor's disappearance, especially if you attended the party, it's important that you contact the police. You can even do so anonymously. It could just as easily be your daughter or your sister. Taylor Pomaski was last seen on April 25, 2021, in the 4500 block of Stallion Brooks Lane in Spring, Texas. Pomaski was attending a party in the area and has not been seen since. Taylor is a 29-year-old Caucasian woman standing at about 5 foot 2, 110 pounds, blonde hair, blue eyes. It's unknown what color, style, or type of clothing she was wearing when she went missing. She has an Infinity Serenity tattoo on the front of her hip. She also has a mole above her left eyebrow and a mole on the left side of her nose. 
if you've seen Taylor Pomaski since her reported disappearance, if you know of her current whereabouts, or if you have any information whatsoever concerning her disappearance, please call the Harris County Sheriff's Office at 713-967-5810 or call Texas EquiSearch at 281-309-9500. You can also call Crime Stoppers at 713-222-TIPS. That's 713-222-8477.